0: Rush of the morning. Chaos at the office. Constant notifications. Loneliness and despair. The distraction of our devices. Conflict and division. Panic. Stress of the day-to-day. The demands of those around us. All this mess. If I were to reach into this box and this happens, cool, what would you typically suggest that I do next? good idea. Yes. Because if one is good, a second is great, right? I mean, we all know, I think most of us would agree, more is better. I I mean, When it comes to cash, I don't think it's hard for me to get you to say that more is better. If that means salary, more is better. If that means more sales, more is better. If that develops into a a status, more is better. If maybe that then means more square footage, more is better. I think that most everyone would agree that more, two handfuls, is better than one. But today I'm raising the question, today I'm asking, is there ever a case where perhaps one handful would be better than two? That's the question. I'm grateful that you're here. And so I want to say welcome today. And along with a welcome, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I hope you had a great Christmas, but I hope that you're having a Happy New Year. How crazy is this? 2023. Got to get used to saying it, right? And I say that's crazy because... As a kid, I remember in school, it was probably math class or something, where they made us calculate how old we would be in the year 2000. Anybody else have to do that like you're in school? They're like, how old will you be in 2000? And I remember the conclusion. I'm going to be old in the year 2000. I'm going to be like 32 or something like that. Almost like That's almost Jesus' whole life, right? It'll be over. And now we're in 2023, you do the math. You do the math. But I'm not complaining. I'm actually grateful because I am blessed much, truly am. But the one that we're about to hear from this morning, the words that we are about to read are also written by a man that was incredibly blessed his name was Solomon. He was actually a king. He's the, one of the kings of Israel. He was King David's son. And we know that Solomon was incredibly wealthy. And when I say incredibly wealthy, scholars still today, most would still rank Solomon among the world's richest people of all time even with the people today. So certainly we're talking houses, we're talking cars, well, I mean cars of that day, right? Chariots and horses. He had land. He had power. He had fame. He had women. He had lots and lots of gold. There's a story recorded where the Queen of Sheba, who is no commoner herself, she came to visit Solomon on one occasion and we are told that she was staggered by his wealth. When she saw the palace, when she saw the food on his tables, when she saw all the officials and the, and the servants, she was so overwhelmed by what Solomon had, as well as his wisdom, even his generosity in the size of offerings that Solomon would make to God, 2 Chronicles chapter 9 says, it took her breath away. She literally gasped for breath when she realized how much Solomon had. This is the point. The following words that we're about to read are spoken by a man who had everything that people today want more of. You hearing me? These words are spoken by a man who had everything, absolutely everything, and more that people today want more of. Check this out, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse four. And I saw that all toil—that's a weird word for us. We don't use the word toil very often, but a, a striving, a laboring, right? There's, there's, there's just struggle involved. All, all toil. All achievement spring from one person's, what? Envy of another. Interesting. Solomon says, all right, when I I look at this whole situation, here's what I realize. Envy is one of the primary reasons that most people strive for more. That interesting? He said, this is it. That means if it was going on that Solomon could recognize it, it's not new for us, but we can look around and we can tell people compete, everybody competing, determining where they are based on where everyone else is. And the common thinking Solomon says is what you have is what I need to have. What I see you possess is what I need to possess, and so I'm going to strive to get it. For those of us who know God, for those of us who are tied to his family and have been blessed by him, somebody said it this way, envy is resenting God's goodness in another person's life and ignoring God's goodness in my own life. I see you have something, and I'm envious of that, and I don't even recognize how God's blessed me. Solomon says, not Simon, but Solomon says, envy is the reason most people strive for more, all right? And here's what he says about that. This, too, is meaningless. It's meaningless. He says, when I look around me, all the toil, all the achievement, for most people that's about envy, and that is meaningless. It is just empty. And then we're going, okay, but what did you mean by that, Solomon? And then he gives us this absolutely pinpoint word picture. He says, it is a chasing after the wind. A chasing after the wind. So we can get this. Let's suppose that I were to bring out a fan and let's suppose that I were to plug in this fan and let's suppose that I were to turn that fan even on the lowest setting, lowest setting possible. And then I said to you, Everything in this box is yours if you can catch the wind. It's all yours if you can catch the wind. And as much as you might want to, because you like what's in that box, I've already shown you, you like what's in the box. You would say to me, but you're crazy. You're crazy, Jeff, because you can't catch the wind. Chasing the wind is a foolish thing to try to do. And Solomon says, that's how you need to see what's going on in your life when there is this striving, there is this struggle, there is this toil, And you're doing it for more and more and more. Here's his point. It's endless. It's endless. There is no finish line when you're chasing the win. You never catch it. And so when you're striving for more and more and more, there there is no victory. There is no trophy. There's no win here. Chasing more always leaves us wanting more. It's what it does. Chasing more always leaves us wanting more. There could be a stamp that could be placed on on this section of Scripture that says, dissatisfaction guaranteed. Because more, the chase for more always leaves us wanting more. So, here's where we're starting today. When you catch yourself drifting toward the, ooh, I wish I had what well, they have. I wish I had that square footage, right? I, I wish I drove that. I, I I wish I had, right, that game system. I, I wish I had translate across the board whatever matters most to you, the thing that you would see that would make you say, I wish I had that. Here's what today we're learning. preach to ourself. Here's what you say. That's chasing the wind. That's chasing the wind. And life is too short and too valuable to chase the wind. Don't chase the wind. That's pretty smart. Pretty wise. Yeah. But just in case you think that what Solomon is saying here is an invitation for you to be passive, check out the next verse that he gives us. Verse five. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. What's, What's he saying? He's saying, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying just quit when it comes to work. I'm not saying just don't do anything. Stop working, right? It's kind of the idea of if I can't catch the Joneses, then why even try? If I can't keep up with they have this, but I can't have it, then just why even bother at all? He's saying, I'm not telling you to stop working. Working, we know, is a part of the design that God gives for us. Now, yes, it is true that now, after sin has entered the world, work is harder than it was at the beginning. There there are different struggles and obstacles to that but it does not change a design of work that God has called us to. He's not saying just give up and don't work. But verse six reveals the principle. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind oh better one handful with what tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind and we 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 read that and then we go one handful? Why would we do one handful? There's, there's at least two handfuls in the box, right? That's not the way our culture operates. We know that it's about more. And Solomon is saying to us, please listen. Solomon says, I have more than you will ever amass. I have more than you will ever have Trust me on this. You'd rather have one hand full with tranquility. What's that? A peace of mind, a rest of heart, a contentment with what I have that says, check this out, I'm happy whether i have more or not <laughs> i have joy it's a it's a happy new year whether i get what you have or not better one hand with tranquility if you're going to play the more game you got to realize how many triggers there will be in your life, right? Just pick any area of, I wish I had more. I mean, maybe, maybe it's a house, right? You, you see, you, you know a house, and you're like, I, I wish I had that house. And then as soon as you have that house, you realize that somebody has that house and land with that house. And so I wish I had that house and the land, and then somebody, you see, has that house and the land and a fence around the land. And then somebody then has the house and the land and a fence and a gate, what a gate. Like, I need a gate, right? Everybody knows you gotta, you got to have a gate with the house and the land and the fence. And then somebody has a house and the land and the fence and the gate and a pool inside all of that. And it never ends, does it? Solomon says it never ends. It's like chasing the wind. Chasing more always leaves us wanting more we assume that more is better, but it's a no win. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the win. Here's the principle that I hope you will start to chew on today less is more when the less you hold is what you were created for. Less is more when the less you hold is what you were created for. When we play the the game of look what they have and I wish I had that, what, what we are disregarding is what we claim to be a sovereign God who blesses each of us according to how he desires us to steward what he gives us. And yes, we are to work hard. It doesn't mean that we just sit back with our right legs crossed and, and like no, we, we are to work, but then he blesses us and he blesses each according to what he deems is best. And we are just bypassing what we claim to be a trust in God and declaring, I deserve what they have. I I I want what They have, but when we come to realize that less is more, when the less you hold is what you were created for, that's when one hand with tranquility is better than two handfuls with toil and a never-ending, never-winning chasing after the wind. To understand this truth that God gives us, it it really is the point of this talk series that we're going to hang out here for pretty much the month of January. We're simply calling it the blessing of less. The blessing of less. And I realize that that flies in the face of a culture that just cannot even start to comprehend that in any way having less could be a blessing, but in the kingdom in which we operate, of a God whose resources is unending, of a God whose blessing is is not just temporal but eternal, it is the blessing of less. So let's read a little bit more of what Solomon has to say. I mean, this guy, he he seems to to really be zeroing in on something here. Check out what he says in verse 7. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Now, this is why sometimes people say you can't hang out in Ecclesiastes very long, all right? We, we, we probably won't preach every week from Ecclesiastes in, the book, in, in January because you just can't handle it, right? Sometimes Ecclesiastes feels this way, but man, He's like, he's right on. What does he say? He says, first of all, I recognize there's no one in his life. In other words, there's nobody for him to pass along what he's got. Apparently in that day, from what I read, women could not inherit. And so when he says no son, no brother, there's no male in his family who could inherit what he has. There's no rest He says, the toil is unending. It just goes on and on, this chase that I'm on. And then he says, there's no contentment. No matter how much wealth that I have, I got no one, there's no rest, there's no contentment. And then he stops and does the most powerful thing. He asks himself some questions. And the first question is simply this. Who am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for? Which I closely associate with the question, what am I trying to prove? Like this, this all this striving, all, all this chase, like what am I trying to prove? Who am I doing this for? The younger you are, when you are willing to ask yourself this question, Oh my goodness, the more hurt you will be able to alleviate from your soul, the wiser you will be able to see life, the more tranquility that could actually be present for you. Who am I doing this for? There are people who are, right, they are grown many years, lots of birthdays, and they are still doing what they're doing in order to somehow compete with a sibling, what they have, what I want. Some are still competing, they are still doing what they're doing for a, a mom's expectation, or to try to bring a smile to a father's face, or maybe to prove a, a teacher or a coach or whoever wrong that way back there said, "You will never amount to." And here's what I'm telling you. Whoever you're trying to please, you never will. Because if you could have, you already would have. If you're on that chase, you could have. He just says, who, who am I doing this for? And sometimes, like, do they even know and do they even care? Maybe you would say, well, I'm doing it for myself. And I'm not here to tell you you're not because you know you. I don't know you. But I just know a lot of the time when we say we're doing it for ourselves, it actually deserves a pause in your soul and ask, but am I really? Am I really? Who am I doing this for? And then he asks a second question. Why? Am I not enjoying this? Which I hope you understand that there is an aspect of Scripture where we are told God blesses us with so much so that we would enjoy. He does want us to enjoy. This is not a a message of don't have anything so that your life is always miserable business. No, he's going, but why do I have all that I have? And think about Solomon and all that he had. And you're going, if I had what Solomon had, I know that I would be happy. And Solomon's going, You're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. Why am I not enjoying this? It is another tentacle of. The striving for more that comes from envy, it actually steals the joy that when you accomplish something, you should be able to celebrate the accomplishment, but you can't. You know why? Because somebody else accomplished more than you. You should be able to celebrate. Maybe you earned something, and you should be able to celebrate a job well done, but you you can't celebrate what you earned because somebody earns more, and you're playing that game. Somebody's acquired more. You you can't celebrate. It steals the joy. And come on, if you are not enjoying your life, then the people closest to you are probably not either. Don't look at anybody right now. (laughs) If you're not enjoying your life, it's most likely that the people close to you are not either. So many people in this world would consider you and me to be some of the luckiest people in the world. Now, I don't believe in luck. I'm just using the language. I believe in a God who gives. But you know what I'm saying. They would say, man, you guys are some of the luckiest people in the world. But a lot of us don't feel lucky. That's not how we see ourselves. And it's not because we don't have a lot. It's because sometimes we don't know who we're doing this for, and we don't even know why we're doing it, you're never going to be who you were created to be if you are always envying someone else's life. Solomon says it another way in the Proverbs. Proverbs 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body. I, I, w- I would say we could... We could we could use the word a heart with tranquility. A heart with tranquility gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Okay, that's gross. Seriously. But all of a sudden we realize that when we talk about this and when Solomon has given us this this talk today, he's like, come on, we're not talking about, hey, will you see something so that it'll just help you maybe live a little better? Will Will you see something so that it won't distract you so much? He's going, if you don't get this, it destroys you. If you don't see this, it eventually destroys you. It is the enemy's play. But you don't have to live that way. I don't have to live that way. Instead, we are able to ask the questions that God is teaching us to ask. Wait a minute. Who am I doing this for? Why would I be on this chase? Why why am I not enjoying all that God has blessed me with? And look, today I'm just daring you to take some small steps. Like, I dare you. I dare you to just take some small steps in the context of when it comes to how much we have. Like, I dare you. Clear something out. Just clear out something. You're like, well, I don't even know where to start. For most of us, our closet. Right? It's, it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna start there. It's like I'm, I'm gonna start clearing some stuff out. You wanna know why? Because there's a whole bunch of stuff in there I don't even wear. I, I don't wear it. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start clearing it out. And when you get past your, maybe your clothes closet, start then with the, the next storage unit that you have, right? And then we start to realize that people actually spend money to what? Store stuff. Well, why are we storing the stuff? Well, we're not using it, right? And before long, you realize that it. There, we think that's so small, and it's really not hurting anything. It's why I'm daring you to start with the start with the small, and just start the pattern in your life of realizing what much can do, but what the blessing of less can be. That that maybe like I've heard people do this. It's like they kind of set a goal, like. For a while, every day, they're going to get rid of 10 things. You're like, I don't think I could get rid of 10 things. You will be shocked. Most of us could go home today and with our family declare, we are going to get rid of 100 things, and we could easy. I'm not saying they all have to be cars. I'm just saying it's stuff that we have that we either don't use, we don't don't need it anymore, somebody else could actually use it, Just start to clear it out. It's like, but, you know what's coming. But I might need it. I might need it. And y'all, I'm not trying to be mean. I am not trying to be mean. But come on, there's a part of this where God is talking to my heart as well as yours and going, how often does it look like My God is smaller than my storage. Because I'm just stuff and I don't need it anymore, but am I really afraid that if I let that go, that a God who calls me to live, right, that way that he would not supply the need that I would have? It is the stuff that our culture says is no big deal. It's the stuff our culture says, this is just, this is just, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But our heart speaks a different story because, you know, the more you have, the more you have to maintain, right? The the more you have, you got to have space for that stuff. You got to have closets and storage units and barns and, right, And the more that comes with it, the more that comes with it, there is this maintaining part of that. There is this weightiness that comes with that. It's the opposite of the tranquility he's talking about. It's the opposite. You might even find that when you get rid of a lot of the stuff that you don't need, you can even have a few more things that are nice. And please don't hear this talk today being that you can't have some nice things. Solomon had some nice things. And I'm saying it's okay. Here's here's a part of what I. It's better to have some nice stuff that you own rather than a bunch of junk that owns you. Because then you're actually enjoying what you have. Here's one I want to sink in the richest people are not those who have the most but need the least. The richest people are not those who have the most but need the least. And some of you have seen this in action beyond just us reading, right, the words on the pages of Scripture, which is absolutely true, but some of you have seen it. Because some of you from time to time have chosen throughout the years to, to maybe be a part of a, of a mission trip that we have taken as a church. I'm pretty excited this year. I think some of those hopefully are going to stir back up and already talking about some, some trips that you know we're trying to, to put together and the opportunity to go. But if you've ever been on a, a mission trip to a, you know, a developing nation, when you first get there, what do you feel? Heartbreak. You feel heartbreak. Because you see a lack of housing, dirt floors, no electricity. Sometimes even the the, the struggle for clean water and your heart is just kind of broken when you see it. You're humbled. But after a few days of being there, you know what happens? You start to see them live life. (laughs) And you know, man, they got struggles. I mean, they got health struggles, and again, just even clean water struggles. They got struggles, but you're looking at these people enjoying life. Kids are playing outside. I know, but it happens in parts of the world. It happens. Kids are playing outside, and they're using a plastic bottle to play soccer with no shoes, and they're laughing. And then somewhere in that trip, you you get the chance to go and worship with these folks and you watch them gather and they spend like half the day and and men they are praising God for his goodness and there is just a passion that comes from within them they sing with passion y'all they give offerings to help with the needs that go on in the area in which they have nothing and they're they're giving offerings Sometimes like two and three when they, when they come together. And they're focused on the reward of the life to come. And you're watching this and it contrasts with what you know to be the case sometimes back home. Where you see people, yes, who are willing to gather, but, but they, they get there late and then they leave early and they don't sing. And, and they don't give and they don't, and you're just wrestling And after you kind of get past the ticked-off stage, then you become jealous. And you're like, I see a people who have nothing, but they're satisfied. And I want that. And so you declare. You declare. When I go home, things are going to be different. (laughs) Right? When I go home... Things are going to change, and you go home, and for a few days, they do change, but you get sucked right back into the myth that is just yelled at you day after day, what I don't have is what I need, and then you don't change. I'm asking the question today, but what would happen if we did change? What might happen if we did? Because, come on, do y'all know that life is short? Do you know that it's a vapor? Do you know that it's like a breath that's just here and then it's gone? Life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. And your Savior, He is too sweet. Or you to waste your life on meaningless things by chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and a chasing after the wind. Better one handful. With tranquility and another hand to be able to hold the hand of your little children as they are growing up, that you can walk with them, that you can pour into their hearts, that you can spend time in the evening, right, wrestling on the living room floor. Sometimes, if both hands are full and what it takes to maintain that much and all that is required to keep going and the hours involved, there is not the chance to hold those hands when they're little and suddenly you wake up and realize they're gone. Better one hand with tranquility, and with the other to know some really, really genuine, good friendships. You know what I'm talking about? The kind of people in your life that you just know. Man, they love Jesus, and they love you. They're for you, and, and you know that they have your back. And, and you, there's just, There is just a joining of with that, that, that God has done. You know they are such genuine friends, and the time that you get to spend together, you, you invest in each other's lives, and you protect each other, and you fight for each other, but sometimes if both hands are full, the time isn't there, yeah, we're gonna get together one day. Yeah, we we really need to to have dinner and right better one hand full with tranquility, and to be able to with the other have some right experiences, maybe right a family road trip, right. Doesn't have to be across the country, right? It's it's just a, a little family road trip. You pile everybody in the car and you go do something fun together to, to be able to, to enjoy some experiences of life. Better. One handful with tranquility and a strong marriage. <laughs> I'm going to let you figure out what the hand part of that would be, all right? I, I tell you what, How about, how about I'm going to go with this. How about a pat? Can we, can we do a pat? Can we do that? Yes, we can because we're married, because we're married. And one handful with tranquility ought to mean there's some of that instead of always, always at the office, always on the next call, always more time away. better one hand with tranquility and the ability to then perhaps make a difference in somebody else's life, in somebody else's life, not two hands clenched, having the more you get, the more you must protect, the more you got to figure out how to not lose, but instead the Opportunity to bless. Better one hand with tranquility and the ability to praise your God who has given you enough. Enough, more than enough. That there's food to eat and clothes to wear and a place to live. Not a trust in a myth that will leave you chasing and chasing and chasing and never winning, but a trust in a God who supplies all your needs better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It is the principle that I am praying that God will teach my heart and that he will teach your heart. It is the blessing of less. The blessing of less. In just a minute, I, uh, I want the prayer today to be a song that is sung over you. It's called a disciple's prayer. And so in a few minutes, you don't even have to sing. You can just stay seated. You can just hang out where you are. And let this be a prayer that is being sung all over you, but also that as you're hearing it, one that you are internalizing and you're asking, God, will you help us? But before we do that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take advantage of the fact that you are here today and not alone. And as you are seated at tables today and gatherings wherever you may be, I want you just to take a couple of minutes and around your table, just quickly, all right? Don't worry, it's not scary. Here's the question What did God most say to you today? What did he most say to you today? It could be any of, any of what we talked about. It could be just the big picture. It could be whatever. But what did he most say to you today? And what are you going to do with that? Now, if you know what you're going to do with it, feel free to share it. But listen to what I'm about to tell you. I don't know is also an acceptable answer at this moment. As long as you're saying, but I'm asking God to show me. Can we go there? Like, God is talking to me about this thing, and I don't know yet what I'm supposed to do. Some of you know you need to go home and get get the bag, get the sack, get the truck, and get rid of 10 things. Get rid of 100 things, right? There are some folks that we know that could actually use some coats, it's, when it's cold this time of year, right? So if you got extra coats, you got what? I'm saying, go home, there's, there's a few things. Just take a small step. Take some sort of, you already know that. Cool, do that. But if you don't know, God, God's speaking to you about a specific thing, and you don't know yet what you're supposed to do, but you're just willing to say, but I'm asking God to show me. There is something powerful that happens when God's people do this together, okay? Take a couple of minutes Like, like nobody ought to be talking more than 30 seconds or so. Just a little bit. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. And just round the table real fast. And then they're going to sing this prayer over you. And I pray. I pray for you a happy new year. Not the same old chase. Chase. Not the same old toil. Yeah, you got to work. And sometimes works hard. But not the same old feeling of endless. You never quite catch whatever it is you think you're after. But I pray for you. A happy new year. Tranquility. Tranquility. And a trust in the God who supplies what we need. I love you guys.